0: Welcome, I'm glad you're here. You're listening to Banjo Chat, where I bring in amazing banjo players and chat with them about their life, their music, their stories, their pitfalls, inspirations, and advice. So join us on this journey into Banjo Chat. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Hillary Hawk, and you are listening to the Banjo Chat. How are you all doing today? We have a live audience today. Today is a special day. We have a live audience full of beautiful people. Uh, Let's hear it, everyone. Who loves the banjo? This is is extremely awesome. We are live and in person at the Ashokan Center here in Olive Bridge, New York. Beautiful Olive Bridge. The weather is just perfect. I look outside and the sun is shining. There's birds singing. There's banjos ringing in the background. Uh, This is a special weekend up here. The Shokin Center is run by Mike and Ruthie Miranda and Jay and Molly Unger, Uh, just beautiful people, and uh, and they put this together. They do lots of wonderful workshops here all year round and camps, so this is truly a pleasure to be here and with great instructors for the banjo weekend. Uh, We have four amazing banjo players here today, and I have locked the doors. We aren't letting any of them escape and it's a grand finale of Banjo. So um, I just wanna let everyone know out here in the audience today and out there in the world, wherever you are, that the reason I started this podcast was because I felt like I was in my own little banjo world, like my own little banjo hole, where I wasn't listening to the people that were my colleagues and my friends. I wasn't listening to their albums and I I wasn't really going out and seeing their shows because I'm playing my own shows and I got kind of like, I need to do something else with my life. So I started this podcast to really like learn about the lives of the people that I play around, uh, play music with and that I respect and admire. And then I was hoping that other people might enjoy the experience too. So that's why this started. And I think we're just gonna jump right into it today. I'm gonna jump right in with our first guest. And uh, yeah, I guess I should just announce all four first, just so that it's not surprised. We have Scott Hopkins here today. Tony Trishko Joe Newberry and Cedric Watson So our first guest today on Banjo Chat is a claw hammer and finger picking banjo player a guitar player, a singer, a two-time, IBMA award-winning songwriter, and I'm sure there's many, many more awards. In fact, he just told me that he won all of the awards uh, in Clifftop, the banjo competition. All of the you know, first through fifth, that's amazing, and uh, he can tell you more about that, too. Um, he's a frequent guest. He's been a guest on Prairie Home Companion and a member of the super group, the Transatlantic Sessions with Jerry Douglas and Ally Bain. He performs with dancer and fiddler April Virch and with Mike Compton, as well as being a studio musician for recordings around the world. There's so much more, I could not I could go on and on, but I'll, I'll let you, him tell you about it. Welcome to the Banjo Chat. It's an honor, Joe Newberry. Yeah.
1: Thank you, folks, and thank you, Hillary, for having me.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, I think I first heard you play at, um, with the Transatlantic Sessions. This is the first time I, I saw you on stage. Uh, probably at Merlefest.
1: Merlefest in 2017, Jerry Douglas and Ali Bain brought the Transatlantic Sessions, which is a it's a, a melding of American musicians and musicians from the British Isles. And we, the Transatlantic Sessions are always the last bit of Celtic connections in Glasgow. And you start the, the Transatlantic Sessions tour in Glasgow and then go all over the UK. Jerry and Allie brought that to Merlefest in twenty seventeen and we we redlined the fun meter.
0: <laughs> so did you did you mostly play in the UK or did you tour through the United States as well with that group?
1: Uh, the the UK run I was on, I only did the Merlefest because I had other things going, but they they took transatlantic sessions around the about four different places after Merlefest that year.
0: Yeah. How incredible was that? Was is that like a highlight of it, Some it, of your performing experience? It was a
1: highlight of my performing experiences because of the collaborations. It's like when you come to a banjo camp and you get to spend time with your friends and your heroes in one place. It's great. And the, the transatlantic sessions, it's the most collaborative music I've ever made because everybody puts in music that you're supposed to you know that you want to present anybody on the stage from james taylor to um uh, declan o'rourke mm-hmm. to karen matheson to jerry douglas to Ally bain if they want to play on your number they just go up and so i did the same thing it's like james taylor needed banjo on copper line <laughs> I, so I, I played uh, banjo on on Copperline and uh, and Sweet Baby James, and then wait, what? I know
0: you played on Sweet Baby James.
1: I did, and so we're um, we're we're um, we're we're watching we're watching uh, James sing um, Sweet Baby James, and then all of us back on the couch started looking. Um, looking back and and forth and Karen Matheson mouthed are you going to sing back up and I said I think I am (laughs) and then everybody who was on the bill said yeah let's do it so originally Sarah Jaros was the one that was supposed to do harmony and then we all got up and sang we know it I mean so it it was a it was a high point. And, oh, that
0: was uh, wonderful. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Well, actually, I wanted to mention that because when I watch you perform, and it's not just like your incredible banjo playing, but it's your stage presence, and you have a confidence on stage that I admire and i Thank feel you. like Thank you. there's something about it that i don't know how to do i don't know how to do what you do like what? i and i, I want to know is there anything that you think about like when you're on stage that you're trying to convey
1: An, another highlight of my musical life was um when when uh, jim watson and bill hicks and mike craver of the red claim ramblers mm. After they got back together and started playing music when after Tommy Thompson, the original banjo player, died. They had all left the Ramblers, but they got back to start playing music, and they asked me to sit in Tommy's banjo chair. And these were my heroes. If, if, if old-time music had playing cards, they would be my, my trading cards.
0: Merch idea. A merch
1: idea. So I asked Bill Hicks, the fiddler, I said, y'all are so compelling. I can't take my eyes, you know, because I was speaking as a fan. I can't take my eyes off you. And Hicks said, Oh, we're ourselves, we're just ten percent bigger. Wow. And I I said, You are. It it hit me hard. They were themselves, because like John Hartford said, the audience can spot a phony from the back row of Carnegie Hall. You've got to be yourself. You just have to look like you know what you're doing. And you have, to, you have to trust that you have something as a musician that people want to hear, that people need to hear. And so when you do that, and it's, that's the contract that you sign, is if you're going to make music for people, you've got to be the person that they need to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I do.
0: I love that. Um, and you are a strong sorry, songwriter, obviously. You've won some awards. Um, do you get a satisfaction that comes from writing a good song? You know, we play so much traditional music and you study traditional music, um, but do you get like an adrenaline from writing a great song?
1: I do. I also, I also am firmly convinced that every time I've written a song, it's the last song I've written until I write the next one. Really? Because it
0: takes so much out of you?
1: No, it's just uh, it, it, it's, it's almost like a pretender syndrome. And I go through, very similar to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's Stages of Grief, I go through the stages of songwriting. The first stage, this is fantastic! <laughs> the second stage is, God, this sucks. Third stage, and you go all the way through and you finally come to acceptance <laughs> that it's an okay song.
0: But do you forget that you've written great songs in the past? And- I
1: have actually found songs that I've written that I had forgotten that I had written. And, and it's like finding a $20 bill in your winter coat. Yeah. It's really fun. Wow,
0: that sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, I actually, I fell in love with one of your tunes. Uh, it's called My Dear Childhood Days, which, mm-hmm. strangely enough, has no banjo playing on it. Um, and it's just fiddle accompaniment. But I listen to that song over and over again. I, I love it. That's on your Going Home album. Going Home album yeah. that I
1: recorded with April Virch. Uh, that that song I wrote with the great Psy Um, and and Cy likes my songwriting, and he sent me an email, literally out of the blue. It's like, Dear Joe, I'd like you to come to Charlotte and write with me. And he hit send, and I think by the time he hit send, I was at his front door. (laughs) And when we started writing together, it was about growing up in Missouri, and, you know, I love banjos. I love guitars. I did not hear banjo or guitar on, on that that piece. I heard a string trio. And so when we play it, when April and I perform it, she'll turn her fiddle from GDAE to DDAD, D-D-A-D. And she serves as the string trio. And I, I just sing about my dear childhood days.
0: Mm. Well, we have about two minutes uh, yes. left uh, before I have to move on to the next person. Do you have anything that you want to play or anything else you want to say? Or
1: uh, d- Does the Peanut share? Gallery have anything they want to hear? All right.
0: All right. And also, I just want to mention that Joe has a Christmas album that... Uh, is quite splendid. And as we enter into the season, that might be a nice thing to uh, listen to. The very,
1: very nice. A- April Virch and I do a holiday cheer tour every year, and I try and write something new. This year's song, I'm still working on the, the, how it's going to really, um, the form, but it's Be Kind to Everyone You Know, because the holidays can wrap sadness in a pretty bow. So this is uh, a song I wrote with Jim Lauderdale. Heaven's In My View. I pretend I know how long I last I think of my companions And how they're growing few Although my feet are on the earth Sweet heavens in my view When I was a young man I thought as young men do I would encounter falsehood I'd believe him true. Now I watch the frost upon the ground turn into morning dew. Although my feet are on the earth, sweet heaven's in my view. How I recall the follies, the memories of youth. Held many birds in my two hands I watched them as they flew I'm listening for the sound of wings I hope they're coming soon Although my feet are on the earth Sweet heavens in my view I feel my soul abending upward from the clay My earthly body sending me to judgment day Now I am remembering everything I knew Close my eyes one final time Sweet heaven is my view
0: Thank you, Joe. And if you want to find out more, you can head over to www.joenewberry.biz. All right, thanks so much. Our next guest on the banjo chat is a sought-after band leader, singer, fiddler, accordionist, banjoist, and songwriter from Louisiana. He's playing a mix of traditional and original music, Cajun, Zydeco, Creole music. He is building community... He's uplifting souls from every generation. His music is timeless. He's four times Grammy nominated. That's not nothing, folks. And he is the party. He has the soul of what makes people dance. I'm very pleased to have our next guest on the show, Cedric Watson.
2: Merci beaucoup.
0: So um the the last time i saw you and i think the only time i saw you was was probably here at ashokin uh i was here for the old time week and i think you were attending and or teaching the the cajun fiddling uh and you were here with uh the zydeco band i'm not sure if you were here with red stick ramblers or not but i was taking some cajun fiddling and you were playing accordion it just was such a great time
2: I yeah, it was it. yeah.
0: I don't know how long ago that was, but
2: maybe six or seven years ago.
0: Okay, that was great. Yeah, I think fondly of those times. Um, listening to your Lesprit Creole album with the Bijou Bijou Creole, mm-hmm. it just makes me so happy. Is that your main band or is that uh, your main project right now?
2: Um, well, B- that's whenever Bijou? I play with my band, it's always ah. going to be called Cedric Watson and Bijou Creole, which Creole. means Creole jewel. So yes, and I also play solo and and uh, travel with other musicians and collaborate under duo trios like with Dirk Powell or mm-hmm. Corey, Corey Harris and yeah I do other things like that too of course but yeah Bijou Creole.
0: Well I like the way you say it it's better than me saying Creole.
2: Well think of the word uh <laughs> think of the word as like um, Crayola you see so Crayola is a bunch of different colors and everything in one box right yes. well Creole culture is a bunch of different almost a bunch of different colors, I guess you could say, but also a lot of different um, ethnicities and cultures into one and it creates another thing that's born out of that. So creole, Crayola, cre- creation.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm just really curious about that. that. That was really a beautiful description of that. Um, it's, it's an influence of African sounds and the Caribbean culture as well. Am I, do I have that right? Oh it's, yes, definitely. Uh, but I'm also curious because you have a modern kind of take Oh, on yeah. the sound, too. <laughs> like, I think that must... Be, are you writing most of the songs, or are they traditional?
2: Yes, I did. Uh, on the majority of the albums I ever released... Um, Les Petits Creole is one of the older ones, but um, I did write basically the majority of what you see on those albums. Um, there may be one or two songs that I didn't write on the majority of the albums that I released. And I wrote the lyrics in French and Creole, for the most part. And... Um, I mean, I guess it would have a little bit of a modern or something because I was born in 1983 mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and also just because, you know, I wrote the song and it, it was born the year that it was born in the 2000s or whatever, you know. So it does have a lot of different textures and uh, a modern chords and things that you wouldn't hear in traditional Cajun or Creole la-la music.
0: Yeah. What What's life like for you down in Louisiana? You know, I'm up here in New York all the time. I'm just stuck in the bubble in New York. But what's... I mean, I imagine you guys are just partying all the time. That's my impression of Louisiana.
2: Well, the French lesson of the day for y'all is miserable. Yeah. I know it's like what most people wouldn't want to hear me say, but my life is actually pretty hard. And um, I'm not a starving musician, but I have been before. And um, in Louisiana, I do have fun because that's part of it. But the fun in Louisiana can also be... Your enemy, so mm-hmm. you got. It's, it's something that's hard to manage when you live in the middle of it. But for, I would say I have things that keep me happy too, of course. But um, my life is basically forty-five to fifty-five percent miserable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you got to find the the music that can help you get out of
2: that. You oh yeah. Know? That's the one of the only things I have that do help me get out of that. And my children and I got nature and I go fishing and I work at a historic. Uh, basically a village. just a reenactment kind of history. It's called Vermillionville. And uh, I love it there, working there, you know. Um, I like playing music too. um, But right now I'm at the crossroads to where I don't really know whether I want to keep playing music for another few years of my life or do I just want to play for another year and find something else to do and do more stuff like this where I can travel (laughs) and teach people here and there or workshops, you know, but I'm not really... um, into the spotlight anymore.
0: Yeah, we've actually talked about that in the banjo chat on previous episodes, how hard it is to be a musician. And we talked about, you know, if you are touring and you're playing, to make a living at it, you have to be working pretty hard at it. And it's yes. a tough life, you know? And it's, it it isn't, I think, like, we don't talk about it that much how hard it is, and it's hard on your body, and it's hard, like, how you eat, or you handle the stress and stuff like that. So,
2: no, I hear you. And I learn a lot from a lot of the musicians that I travel with. Uh, you know after playing for like 20 years i've seen people they were party animals and some of them just don't party they can't rooster like they used to you know they just can't do it no more i go knock on a hotel room i'm like y'all come on man let's go out to a bar or something and just like no man, i don't think i'm coming so like, is that really you but now i know what they feel you know and what they feel like it, it can wear you out but another thing that musicians like a lot of musicians are good at this they can manage their own um their own spirit and then they can also Uh, help other people with their spirits too. That's mainly our job, right? To kind of do that. And so, well, some of us just can't. You know, I'm a very delicate human, so I like to run out in the woods or get on my little boat and be like that. And then whenever I'm around people, I like for them to be out where I can see them all. I don't like to be in the middle. Mm. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I hear that. (laughs) No, I I hear that. that surprise you? Nope. (laughs) Nope, I get it. We're all different. I always say like I'm an extroverted introvert.
2: Like I hide. I hide a lot.
0: Um, But uh, so you have uh, your self-titled album and you have a tune on there called Cochandele. Oh, yeah. And that's a banjo tune. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Is that an original tune?
2: So I'm glad we're talking about this because uh, how many of y'all know Eric Fry? He played with the Red Stick Ramblers and uh, yeah? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> he was an upright bass man for that band, but he was a very good banjo player and he's one of the people. Who, how many of y'all know Kelly Jones? Uh, yeah. She's the one that taught me clawhammer and get started. I was at Merle Fest. Merle Fest is where I walked into a, a tent where they had this documentary about uh, um, the banjo and the origins and stuff. And I'm just like, what is this? No, oh, I'm getting a banjo today. And I walked over to this place and I got me a banjo at the same festival. And at the hotel room, her, um, it was, uh, oh, it was Kelly Jones and Emma. Both they taught me how to get started on the banjo, and then from there I just had a lot of fun. But then I remember when I recorded this album, uh, the first solo Cedric Watson album, I put Eric Fry had played a uh, banjo with me on a couple of tunes on that album. So yeah, it's banjo in there. It sounds good with Cajun and Creole music too.
0: Yeah, it does. Well, is there anything that you feel like playing for us today? Sure. And, uh, oh, great. Sorry, y'all. Rolling up the sleeve. I don't uh, know the
2: name of that song either, it's just something I heard on some recordings and it said, uh, Unknown Kentucky Musician.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, thanks for playing it for us. Uh, How can we find out more about your music? I have a website here, www.bijoucrayole.com.
2: Yes, that's the one. Don't go to CedricWatson.com. Somebody took over this, and now it's a casino or something. I don't know what happened. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So uh, go to BijouCreole.com. You can go on there. Spotify, if you don't want to spend any money, just go listen to my music on uh, Apple. Um, Also, uh, you can go and you can buy a lot of my songs on social media, you know, or, I mean, well, iTunes and all that stuff. And that's great, too. So y'all spend a dime or two. Um, also, um, you can just go on YouTube and look me up. Go on my Facebook page. Every once in a while, I'll play live on there, even in uh, there's many different ways. Bada bing, bada bang.
0: Sounds great. All right, thank you. Thank you, Cedric. All right, well, I don't even know where to start here. I, I should even intro this because it's going to take up all the time. Um, our next guest is a mega-influential musician making waves in the bluegrass world, as well as crossover into old-time country pop, rock, He's one of the most innovative banjo players I've ever heard, and he keeps making more and more music. His albums are progressive, cinematic. They are new music, they're classical, folk, neo-folk. He isn't stopping, he has a drive. He's not just playing, but he has a love for music that is pouring out of him. He's an inspiration, a pioneer of banjo, and he's played, and he was also, he's a pioneer of banjo, and he was also Bela Fleck's teacher mentor. He has worked with Steve Martin on his Grammy-nominated album, and he also has his own double banjo bluegrass spectacular album nominated for a Grammy. I mean, come on. The list goes on and on, and it doesn't stop with Earl Scruggs and Bill Keith and the work he has done in theater. He's a well-rounded musician, as well as being a leading visionary in bluegrass. Ah, I'm out of breath. Welcome to the chat, Tony Trishka. Thank you. Did I cover it all? I don't even know. I missed a lot, I think.
3: I think you made up half of it. That's okay. <laughs> that's close.
0: Well, I don't remember the first time I heard you play because it's so ingrained in the core of my banjo life. I'm like, I'm sure most of us here, um, you know, it's just so we've heard you for a very long time. I mean, I know the first album I heard of yours was a co- the Country Cooking album uh, with Kenny Kosek, Andy Statman, John Miller, Pete Wernick, Russ Berenberg. And I probably listened to your tune, Parsons Duck, like 30 times in a row. That was the first tune that got me with you. And I I listened to Parsons Duck so many times. I loved it so much. And I eventually sought you out for lessons. You were one of my first banjo teachers. And um, I had my cassette recorder, and I would record our lessons on (laughs) cassettes. and uh, you're great. You're, you're great. You're tabbing things out for me in the moment. Uh, you're so damn nice, and, uh, and I remember the best advice you ever gave me, and it, st- it still goes through my head. It still goes through my head. This is the advice that Tony Trishka gave to me, uh, and it was while I was improvising on a song. It was probably like Salt Creek or something, or Blackberry Blossom. He said, You said in the middle of while I was playing, you said, you don't know where you are. (laughs) You have no idea where you are on the banjo right now. And and you caught me in the middle of it. And I was like, ah, I don't know where I am. I was just like moving my fingers and making it whatever I thought was improvising. And then it made me realize I have to learn where I am on the banjo. I actually have to know the scale and the chords and the notes and how to get... I can't just make up a solo, so that was great advice that has stuck with me to this day. Like,
3: I've changed my mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I appreciate Sometimes that. it could be
3: okay to not know where you are.
0: Well, I, just, I should probably just let you talk, but I did have a question for you, because, and this one really like burns, like I, I really wanna know, because it's something that I don't quite understand. How, how do you keep up the pace of what you're doing? Like You've been working <sighs> so much, <laughs> are you tired? <laughs> I mean, do you really have a drive and a desire to keep... Like, how do you keep that drive and desire going? I mean, is your brain always on 10? Like, how do you well, do uh, this? No, no, I'm
3: not, I'm not a type A personality, I don't think. But, um, no, I just have... Music just keeps driving me along. Like, I'll get into one thing. For instance, um, I had this electric band in the, in the 90s. And if you're allowed, I thought, I want to do this. Like, on my first records, I would have one or two cuts on each one with an electric band, like in the mid-70s. So I pursued that for a while... And then, okay, well, I want to go back to acoustic. And more recently, maybe two years ago, I got a hold of um, a recording recordings of Earl Scruggs jamming with John Hartford between like the mid-90s, mid-80s and the mid-90s. You know, tunes we've never heard Earl play before, like Chinese Breakdown, Here Comes yeah. the Bride, things like, you know, just these, what? And, uh, and then on tunes that um, we knew by him, like Cripple Creek, playing like blues licks and things, you know, just this crazy stuff. And it just, uh, as I was saying to one of the classes earlier today, I'm more in love with Earl's music and more fired up about it than I've ever been in my life before. And uh, I just finished recording an album, which will come out in March, called Earl Jam. Not Pearl Jam, Earl Jam. Uh, with uh, all sorts of folks on it. Doing every solo I take is uh, Earl's stuff, note for note. And, wow. um, you know, just like, Bury Me Beneath, beneath the Willow. Uh, I, I just could go on Lady Madonna. He, they played Lady Madonna in one of these jam sessions. And uh, Anyway, so I'm totally fired up about that. That's what I'm doing at the moment. And I'm traveling around uh, with a band that does, it's kind of an overview of Earl's career and then towards the end we do some of these songs from the, the jams. So that's got me all hot and bothered right now. That's,
0: that's coming uh, out in March?
3: Yeah, it's coming out in March. What so is it right
0: gonna, now, it's December? No, it's November.
3: <laughs> yeah, the single coming out in January with uh, Billy Strings singing on that. And uh, Barry, uh, which one is it called? Uh, Browns Ferry Blues. And, and that's the cool thing about Earl, because um, he'll do stuff like in G, but then other times he'll do the same song in double C tuning. Yeah. So he's just constantly coming up with new stuff and different things. And uh, just I talked to his, his son, Gary Scruggs, once, and he said, yeah, Earl would do Claw Hammer sometimes sitting around the house, or he'd go play two-finger style, like he used to before he learned how to play three finger style like when he was seven or eight years old, and things mm-hmm. like that yeah and anyway there there's so many cool things on these jam tapes he does a tune called Shout little Lulu yeah, and he said he would play that at square dances when he was like a teenager or something yeah like if there was no one else to play the square dance he would just do it and he would play that and he plays it for John Hartford in this jam and it's really cool, just very simple but beautiful tune well, yeah. I
0: love that tune I know that one and i'm I'm that's on the album that's
3: Yes, that is on the album, I am, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's I'm going to get that album. That's amazing. I'll give you a copy, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it sounds like it's like a, you have a constant curiosity and uh, interest in mm-hmm. this that never ends. That's that's really, really awesome.
3: Well, there's always the next extension, there's always the next yeah. mountain to climb, so yeah.
0: That's really inspiring and awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things I noticed about you and, uh, you know, obviously with this album coming out is that you're not afraid to collaborate and sometimes you play with uh, people that you won't expect, uh, you know, different <laughs> guest artists and, and sometimes, you know, people in your band are old time musicians or, or um, from all walks of life. And, and I was wondering what, uh, what is collaboration for you? Like, how do you uh, picture collaboration?
3: I don't picture it necessarily, I just do it. In other mm-hmm. words, uh, I play a lot with Bruce Molsky these days, who's just such a great fiddler. His rhythmic thing is so amazing. Great guitar player and great banjo player too. So when we do that, it just gets, you just get into the groove thing with him doing that because he's so amazing. Uh, and I've worked with the Violent Femmes a little bit here and there, and that's a whole other thing. Yeah. They're they're not violent and they're not women. They're guys, but uh, uh, but it just, it's just this whole. they sort of like punk folk or something. Yeah. And uh, so just everyone you play with, And Earl Scruggs. I asked him one time. I said, you know, what what advice would you give to a beginner? He said, play with as many different people as you can, which I thought was great advice. Yeah, you know, for any of you beginners out there. Oh, I, I'm just a beginner. I can't play with anyone. You can always play with somebody. You can always get something going. So don't be shy to to jam with people and, and learn how to play with other folks. But anyway, so I've sort of found myself doing that just without trying to, just I've, I've had just amazing confluence of being able to meet with you know, like these guys from the Violent Femmes or with Bruce, or mm-hmm. um, I was very fortunate very early on, uh, you mentioned that country cooking album with Andy yeah. Stabman and Kenny Kosek. And uh, going home on the bus back to New York City, we recorded that in Ithaca, New York. They decided, yeah, let's put a band together. And they asked me to join them. And I was living a life of quiet desperation in Syracuse, New York at the time Uh, when I was 23. It was like, get me out of here. So I got to move to the Bronx uh, a block from Yankee Stadium with all these bodegas and things and no trees. And it was like this whole other experience. But I was playing with people that uh, were like taking bluegrass and then moving in other directions. And so we had this band Breakfast Special with Kenny and Andy and a guy named Stacy Phillips on Dobro, wonderful Dobro player. And we were all just, you know, sort of taking chances with the music because we were sort of drawn to that. We would get up on stage and we'd do a Jewish tune or we would do a bluegrass tune or we would do a Sam Cooke tune or we would do Princess Papuli Has Plenty Papaya. She loves to give it away. That was one of our big hits. <clears throat> Okay, anyway, that that was a conversation (laughs) stopper right there. A
0: pause before the laughter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: Anyway, so we would just try all sorts of crazy stuff and play these bluegrass festivals. Carlton Hennie, who started the first bluegrass festival, would have us on, and we'd play in the afternoon do more of a bluegrass set, and then we'd go on at night. And the motorcycle gangs would come out because there were no more rock festivals, so they would come to these, and I remember playing this. Uh, Bluegrass Festival, and I was playing steel guitar as well, and I'm sitting at the steel, and there's a guy from the Pagans with a knife with a blade about this long carving up a watermelon right next to me. <laughs> Hi, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so just all these different things.
0: Yeah, no, it's wonderful, and I think, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody ask you this before, but um, you know, your albums, they're really, you know, you have the traditional music, but you're always pushing, like, the, the, bou- the boundaries. You're, you're progressive, and I feel like you have carte blanche. Like I feel like you're allowed to do whatever you want. But you know, sometimes traditional music has these like hard lines, and people have a lot of opinions about traditional music. But your albums, they're, they're, there's chord changes, there's progressive, there's new music elements to them. There's like choirs, there's you know, you have all these kinds of things. Is this your idea, or or do you have someone like helping you arrange these things and produce the albums, or is this all? Mostly
3: it's me. I mean, the other musicians, of course, help with ideas as well. It's not just you do do this, you do that. I mean, I I have people playing on the albums that I really respect, obviously. And, you know, I I know someone who had Andy Statman on their album. And he said, yeah, I'd like you to play like Doyle Lawson. Well, you don't hire Andy Statman and have him play like someone else. He's Andy Statman. He's like one of the greatest mandolin players that ever lived. So uh, no, I just kind of, I mean, I'll come up with the tunes, teach them the tunes, and everyone sort of combines to help with some of the arrangements. I have arrangement ideas too, but.
0: Yeah, you're a great, you're a great writer. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So many compositions. And do you feel like playing anything right now? You feel like you yeah, got a tune in your fingers?
3: I kind of feel like playing Little Rabbit. It's just one of my favorite old-time yeah. tunes. I had a chance to record this with Richard Green, one of my big heroes who used to play with Bill Monroe. That's when I first heard him in 1966. And then he did a duo album, and I got to play this with him. So Little Rabbit.
0: great Great. find out more at tonytrishka.com or ask him later if you're in the room great our next guest is the creator and founder and the idea maker of the Ashokan Banjo Weekend that we're all at right now and if you're listening from home come next time He's a multi-instrumentalist on the tuba for all sakes. He's a director, a composer, an arranger, a songwriter, a finger-picking banjoist, a high school band teacher, and is performing all over. Uh, he's a visionary and a leader, a Wernick Method instructor for banjo, and I am so pleased and honored to have him here today on the chat, Scott Hopkins. Thank you. This is my first time meeting you here at the Banjo Weekend, and we've, yeah, we've never met before, but we actually went to the same uh, music school for undergrad, and so we could have a whole uh, side project of other instruments right now.
4: What was your major?
0: Uh, (laughs) Clarinet, classical clarinet, and uh, classical guitar. Nice. I know. Do you have Rubio? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. (laughs) <laughs> I know, I know. I, my life's only been downhill from there, so, Do, <laughs> so I Dr. went into the world of banjo. No, I'm
4: Did just you have Dr. Boy? Was he still there? <laughs> yeah, with you? Dr. cool. Wow. Dr. Boy was the best.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we go. All right. But I don't play. I don't play either of those instruments much anymore. I don't play tuba anymore, really. So <laughs> banjo took over, but that's yeah. that's okay. So, um, but I actually have a tuba and banjo band. It's out there on the. It's, uh, it's called the Wild Goats, and we we've, we've played a bunch, and that was tuba and banjo. So if you're Interested Scott in that that might be I'm
4: actually thinking about starting a band by myself with tuba and banjo at the same time Yes,
0: oh wow. No, I don't. that's not gonna happen. Uh, You you need someone to hold the tuba for you (laughs) Uh, So it seems like you've been very busy and you've been influencing uh, Kids at the schools that you play and are you uh, getting a lot of banjo players at the your high school that you teach at?
4: No, none (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm a, I am ai teach band instruments, yeah. so flutes, clarinets, trumpets, trombones.
0: And do you slip in a little banjo in there once in a while? I,
4: I started a string elective this year, and I have nine kids, and four of them play guitar, two play ukulele, and two or three play violin. So none of them want to play the banjo, and actually one of the ukulele players says if I bring the banjo out, she's walking out of the classroom. <laughs> yeah. So, Yeah.
0: Well, you know, when I was in high school, my band teacher, he played the Scottish Pipes. And every concert we had, he would play the Pipes. And I was like, oh, my God, this is happening again. <laughs> and I hated it. And now I think back on it, and I was like, that's really nice. That was a really cool thing. And I hated it in the moment. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, one question I want to ask you is something that I'm interested in is that people always say that kids learn faster than adults. And that, that's always bothered me, that, that saying, because I feel like... <laughs> adults learn very fast and I feel like kids are distracted. And I feel like if adults have the time and they put in the time and effort that they learn just as fast as kids. I, I was wondering, as an educator, how do you feel about that?
4: Uh, that's, that's a big topic. So yeah. um, I guess I'll say it this way, that if you want to learn to do new things, if you want to do something, you have to be uncomfortable you have to make yourself uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If you're comfortable when you're doing it, well, you're not progressing. You're doing something that you can do. Now, there's there's times to be comfortable. So if you wanna get better, if you wanna learn new things, you have to step outside of your comfort zone, both intellectually, emotionally, all of it. You've gotta get outside and really um, try something different. And um, what what I appreciate so much about everybody up here on the stage is you can see that they're constantly pushing themselves. They never they never stop. Tony doesn't stop. Joe doesn't stop. Cedric, they're going. They're always pushing themselves to get better and try new things. And that's what you have to do. And it's not comfortable. You know, it's not comfortable to, to progress. So I don't think it matters how old you are. If you're in that mindset, and maybe you're in that mindset without knowing you're in that mindset. Maybe you're in that mindset and you do know you're in that mindset. You're actively trying to be uncomfortable. Um, you can do anything. You put your mind to it, mm-hmm. and and emotionally, if you can emotionally take yourself out of it while you're uncomfortable and like as uncomfortable as possible, you'll probably do a lot of amazing things in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to use myself as the example because I did not. I don't have the pedigree of all the folks up here. I started as a tuba player. I, went to school for music, and uh, as a band teacher, uh, fixed up a couple houses, and those were the prior- that was the priority in my life at the time for years. I didn't prioritize the banjo. And only in the past few years have I decided, okay, I'm going to, later in life, I'm kind of in the opposite track as Cedric. I'm going towards, I want to do more banjo, and I want it to be my life mm. as I get closer to retirement. Um, so, I, I look at Joe's schedule, and I look at Tony's schedule, and I see them all over the place. And I'm like, that's where I wanna go. I wanna be out there playing all over and influencing people. And what's cool, what's, I mean, what's uncool is <laughs> I don't have all of the the little bits of wisdom that they have at this point in their lives. What I do have is a retirement plan and a pension plan. And in a few years, I can just do whatever I want with music, with no worries financially. I can just go out and play wherever I wanna play and do whatever I wanna do and uh, be in that growth mindset of making myself uncomfortable. And this camp is an example of that because I don't feel worthy as a banjo player with any of these, and with any of you. But I was like, I'm doing it anyway. I'm gonna put myself here. I, you know, I've watched countless YouTube videos and recordings and this, this guy right here is my hero. And that guy became, he's becoming my hero very quickly. And seeing you two last night, you know, what you bring into music, learning so much, it's what I want to do now. And uh, it's the the dovetailing of getting out of teaching and becoming a banjo player. Whether I'm uh, well-known or famous, I don't care about that. I don't have to be rich, because I'll have have my teaching stuff. I just want to be like, have fun and be respected, yeah. So, back to your question. I think anybody can learn as long as they have the right mindset and just, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to like be shaken in your shoes. It's okay to to do something you haven't done before. That's when you learn things.
0: Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, you were just saying that you didn't have the wisdom that everyone else on the stage has, but that sounded like a lot of wisdom to me.
4: Well, I guess, thank you. Yeah. What I mean is musically, uh, the musical wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, when I listen to Joe, he can deliver a song so beautifully and, and captivate you. And when I was learning, when I'm learning the banjo, when I started, I didn't, I didn't think about, you know, the arc of a song. I thought about how did they play that lick on the banjo, you know? How did, how did, what's the role, you know, like physically the role? What's, how did they get that band? Which string are they, like that's the stuff I thought about. And so that was my mindset coming into banjo. It was very analytical, you know, and one of my classes is analyzing Scruggs tab and prioritizing it. Like that's the way my brain works. But having spent a lot of time, like how do you create an arc and the beauty of delivering a song. Mm. And so uh, that's the wisdom I'm talking about, musical wisdom that, you know, and Cedric, Cedric's fiddle playing is incredible. But what I enjoyed most about his performance last night was his feet. I mean, I loved his feet and what, what that did to the music. And he didn't stomp on one and three, he stomped on two and four, that big two and four. Just added so much to me. That's musical wisdom, even though it's a simple thing. It's, it was amazing.
0: Well, we this is an art. You know, music is an art, and we can break everything down into pieces, and you can have the mm-hmm. licks, and we can play really slowly, and you can copy the phrases, but then you have to make it music. Yes. So that's yes. You know what Joe was saying about you know you have to take what you are and have it be the light that makes this all music. This is an art. It's not. A, it's not a chemistry. Well, I guess. Um, but, uh... All right, you can probably hear that the microphone went out. or we lost our main microphone? So we switched to some backup microphones. Thanks for listening, and we're continuing on with the live episode. Here we go. I'll just say this:
4: uh, Tony's been an inspiration of mine since the beginning. So I started playing banjo at 15, and one of the f- the first books was Hot Licks for Bluegrass Banjo, and that's that's what I started with was learning licks and. Uh, when I, when I play licks I know now I still you know think I think a lot about licks and stuff like that and vocabulary musical vocabulary and I'll play a lick and I think when I play a particular lick I'll think of the person's name while I'm playing the lick that I learned it from oh. so like I tribute in my brain mm-hmm. two musicians that I've learned things from so like this one here um That's in the Tony Trishka hot licks for for bluegrass banjo. And when I play that, I think of that. Yeah. So this one here, this one I got from Eric Gibson. So when I play that, Eric's name goes through my head. That's awesome. And then I learned this from a fiddle player named Matt Cain. Um, So whenever I play that lick, I think of Matt. I see his face.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I've been listening to your newest album because you gave me a little uh, link to it. It's not released yet, and I uh, listened to your past self-titled album, and you're amazing. And, um, and you have that progress thing pretty much nailed down. Your song is great, and uh, I, I was just wondering if you could just tell us more about this album that's coming out.
4: Yeah, so um, my first album uh, really quickly was, so I'll just go, I'll take you two steps back to answer your question. My dad listened to Bluegrass when I was growing up in & Scrugs, Stanley Brothers. And it's it's funny because you know he's not really into like progressive music. He's you know, he's pretty traditional. But he would play Bela Flex Drive, the CD, all the time. Like he just loves that record. Yeah, we get that. yes. So that was a huge influence on me too, as I was learning the banjo and it's it's my favorite record of all time. It's just, there's so much good stuff. So my first one was very much about writing instrumentals and trying to emulate approaches he did with twin fiddles and certain tunings and things like that. And then for years, I've been thinking about what am I gonna do for my second recording? The one you're talking about. And I wanted something different. I had ideas, but I couldn't put it all together. And so uh, I met my current girlfriend a number of years ago, Jill, she's back there. You can clap for her, The shoot feels special. She would send me songs, uh, links to songs on YouTube and things like that about how she felt about me or how she was feeling that day. And it was very special and very sweet and a lot of the songs I didn't know. And it took me a couple years to put it together. I was like, oh, why don't I make a recording of songs that we send to each other about how we feel about each other and some of them she'll know and some of them I haven't sent to her, I'll surprise her. And then I thought, okay, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna produce it? And I don't have like studio connections like these folks do. I just record myself. And uh, I had just finished recording, uh, engineering and producing the McCrells, the band I played, and there were six guys, and it was a lot of work. It took a year of recording everybody by themselves. And I was like, I don't wanna do that again. So I decided to make it a duet album. So me and one other person, one other different person on every track. And then I was like, okay, how am I gonna pick the people? And the idea was, well, let me pick someone that Jill and I know in common, so it's even more special. And so, um, that's what I did. And they're all songs that we've shared with each other, a couple surprises she didn't know about. And uh, the first person I asked uh, was her second cousin, who is Joe Newberry. And he's on the CD. Awesome. And he was very gracious, and uh, it's really cool. It's just... So I did play it for her in March. It was gonna be a surprise, I couldn't wait. So I played it for her and she, she cried every song. She oh. cried. Um, and uh, Smokey Green, the gentleman I sent the song out to last night who passed away, he's on it. And uh, Tony's on it, too. And we had just met Tony at Banjo Camp North, not, not as close as other folks, but this is where you have to, if you're gonna do things, if you're gonna improve, if you're gonna grow, you have to make yourself uncomfortable. So I asked my banjo hero to be on my CD. And he said yes. So Tony's on it too. And uh, it's, I have the music all done. It's all mixed and mastered. And when, I, when I told her about it, I said, you know, I could release it in March, uh, but what do you think, would you like to have pictures of everybody? And of course she's yes. So I've been working on pictures, and uh, there's only one person I don't have a picture with. And it's Tony. So, I've been waiting for this camp to get a picture with Tony so that I can release my CD. That's
0: the the purpose of the whole camp. (laughs) That's really exciting. It's called Just You. Just You. Yeah. Awesome. When's it released?
4: As soon as I get a picture of Tony.
0: (laughs) Sounds great. Well, we are running out of time for the banjo chat and um, I just want to say you guys thank you so much for being here today. This is a real treat for me to ask you these questions. Thank you for letting me dig into your lives a little bit. Um, If you want to listen to the podcast, all you have to do is go on Spotify or Google Podcasts or whatever platform you use and you type in banjo chat to the search and it will pop up. This won't pop up for another couple weeks, because um, we have to edit it and all that stuff, but um, yeah, you can subscribe to it. Just, if you've never used podcasts before, it's not hard you just like put it into the search, or um, there is a link to the chat on, um, on uh, somehow we'll get that to you. It's banjochat.podbean.com. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening. You can email us questions, comments, thoughts, etc. at the Banjo Chat Podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at Banjo Alright, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> <Goodbye>. <laughs> podcast all you gotta do is help it along with a little like a little subscribe and a little review and that'll help boost it a little bit so I can keep making these for you thanks so much